Welcome to this podcast. Here we discuss introspection, being, development, and all the good stuff. One of the various names that we can name the current climate, our our generation, the culture of where we're going, is by its existential risk that we're facing. And this is due to quite a various amount of things that caused us to face um, the possibility of extinction or near extinction as a species. Now, mostly it has to do with the advances we've made in, in human power. And harnessing that power is becoming increasingly difficult. So we're constantly meeting the threshold of somebody, an entity, a country, a possibility of near, um, you know, uh, exploding on that, on that power in the global front and, and causing havoc. And it's, it's understandable that one with so much power will not contain it. Even as an individual, somebody with such advancements in their self and their ability of, of their mind and their body, they will eventually fail. For instance, the, the drug epidemic. You know, the, it's just a simple consumption of something. And it wreaks havoc on the body. And the power is just is right there. It's so easy to obtain it. And so we're going to need deeper morality to abstain from so many of these things that will cause havoc, even though they're so powerful. We're facing an increasingly more difficult realm of choices. We never had the choice to use a nuclear weapon, and now that we have the choice things become difficult. We never had the choice to um, manipulate biology, and now we have that choice. We never had that choice of creating replications of humans through AI technology, and now we have that choice. And so we're constantly facing the, the appropriation of all these methods and powers that we will break whether it's an individual or as a society. So it's understandable that there's a fear response that we are facing existential crisis, not in, not in the sense of emotional experience, but in the reality sense, in the sense that one of the many different threats are going to explode onto humanity and, and cause devastation, if not extinction. And so most uh, pragmatic people will approach this. First, there are those that say that there's no existential risk. It's progression, and as progression, we're facing, like in any other generation, the possibilities of the difficulties, and we're facing, you know, new new problems, just like the old generation faced their own problems, and... Uh, this approach, I think, is is not 
being true to the reality on the ground. I mean, yeah, there was the possibility of some sort of global devastation through certain means in the ancient world, through through burning towns down and, and doing things that could create, create strong amounts of devastation, but none that compared to a simple nuclear nuclear bomb on on civilizations and so and also the fact that it's in the individual hands it was never so individualized the power it was it was communalized if if there was the possibility of creating destruction or havoc it was in the choice of the communal body and we would trust the communal body to not go to certain lengths because there's a certain respect for life and existence beyond war and hatred. This changes when communal bodies are not the answer as individuals contain the power, especially in the biological front, as we saw in the COVID um, pandemic where they were testing viruses for the gain of function. They were testing to, to try to see, the, to open the limitations of the virus. And we could, we could find some sympathy with that. You want to explore the world as far as you might want to, because that, that, that brought this progression that we're truly proud of. Yet, it hit the wrong chord and rippled through the world. And so, now that the individual contains the power as opposed to the communal body, we're stuck facing trusting the individual, and we know that individuals fail. They don't have the, the safety net that a communal body has, where... If a couple fail, the rest will stand strong. The majority will overcome the minority. The individual, as a minority in the in facing society and the global world, can break down, and in their breakdown, they could cause destruction like never before. So, this is truly an existential threat, and and that's besides. The AI front, which, which has its own story and components. So the pragmatic people would approach this by saying, okay, so we need regulation. If it's, if it's biology, if it's these laboratories, we need, we need to control the movement of information. We can need to control the privacy. We need to do things that will prevent, will impose the individual to interact with the communal body, even at the at the most private areas of their life. For example, in doing their own laboratory studies in a lab or even at home. And so that solution is, first of all, not... I don't believe is will work because first there's a limitation of how 
how strong a communal body will be against the individual in terms of controlling the person. And secondly, even if that is successful, everybody gets hurt in a totalitarian uh, regime, which we were looking for as, as the haven for all this. It first of all regresses human progress. It stunts expression. It brings it brings the primordial world back into back into light. So, I think such a solution is falls on its face. Although, in facing an existential threat, it might be justifiable, like we've seen in in COVID, to to go to such methods because, well. We all agree that we don't want millions to die, so we'll make some sacrifices on that front. Like, we have to agree that if we find out tomorrow that half the world's population will die, that we're going to take some measures that are extreme on the individual freedom in order to save the half that half of planet. So, that's the pragmatic front. And then there's the little bitty details, like how do you do that in each um, area of existential crisis. But I want to move away from this and approach this from a more, I guess, philosophical or cognitive point of view. We made this progression, right? We invented and created the the hydrogen bomb, the nuclear weapons, through science. Now we did it in two in two in two methods. One, the theoretical. It was people in closed out rooms coming up with great theories. And then there was the practical. You know when we we attempted to apply those things. Okay, so let's 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 use those two approaches to progression and the existential threats. For example, let's say AI, there's the people in rooms programming, programming and coming up with the ideas of possibilities in the realm of AI and then there's the implementation and and what we're seeing in this current day. The thing is like this, when one theorizes, because it all starts with the theory, the theory of the computer, the theory of the internet, and the theory of AI, it's someone coming up with these ideas now and dedicating their life to them, which is important because they're not just coming up with ideas and then just moving to something else. They're saying, well, let's take this idea, let's hone on it. Let's develop it and let's let it blossom to its fullest potential. This I find to be the area of the problem. It's the early on theorizing that that causes the disruption, which ultimately brings too much power to the individual and to society. The theorizer 
because they dedicated their whole life to the study of whatever they're studying, they're living in an abstract part of their brain and experience. Because we don't experience life in the realm of mathematics. And we definitely don't experience life in the realm of these theories. Life itself doesn't need a computer to express itself. You wake up in the morning and you breathe and you eat and you bathe. These are fundamental things to humankind. They will always be such, or at least in the near future. And so to spend one's time and energy on a place that's not connected to fundamental experience, they're not feeling their thoughts. When they're thinking how to input a piece of code, they're not feeling that experience because code and human condition experience don't match. While if somebody's thinking about their relationship, they're feeling the emotion as the thoughts flow because they're coinciding. They're working together with the body. And so this abstract type of thinking um, divorces one's mind from the body and from other components of the mind. Okay, so we're going to call this abstract thinking. So this type of thinking um, is, I think, the crucible of the problem. Because we, we, we have an integration difficulty, okay? So because the person is not experiencing their thoughts, because there's nothing relative to how they're thinking and their own deep personal experiences, they have a whole personal life that doesn't integrate with this these ideas, and they're dedicating their whole life to these ideas because you're not going to be successful by just brushing through it. It will continuously, in its evolution, have an integration problem, meaning the computer will never fully integrate with human emotion, however far we go down the line, because it didn't start out like that. That's one. And secondly, there is fundamentals to human nature. And the theorizer that first created the computer, I'm, not, I'm just giving an example. I don't know the history. Um, the theorizer that first created the computer didn't experience an integration with selfhood and the computer. And so everybody using a computer, the billions in the world that use computers, use technology in this way, don't experience their emotion. And just from my own anecdotal experience, using a computer, you're, you you automatically divorce yourself from the moment-to-moment -moment emotional response to thought because of how abstract the experience of using a computer is. And so the integration problem, meaning, okay, so let's go to the the lab, right? 
the Wuhan lab and others such. They're taking live viruses that they've found in the wild. And they're saying, okay, let's, let's explore the potential of this virus. Okay, so right away we're, we're facing an integration problem because what about the human experience wants to explore the potential of viruses? Like where where where's the emotional response to that experience? Um, now you might say that all laboratory um, study has an integration problem, and there is some truth to that. And in fact, all of science might have an element of divorcing oneself from emotional experience. But there's some things that would be very difficult to integrate even if we tried. Like if you sat down people that are doing gain-of-function um, research and and seeing the potential of adapt, uh, the, the adapti uh, adaptivity of certain uh, pathogens, they, when they do such research, we must ask them, like, like you're dedicating your life to this. Now, where is that integration in your own human condition? Like, okay, so they'll come up with ideas like, okay, we want to prevent future, um, future pandemics or we want to at least have the code so that we could come up with a, uh, um, a vaccine that will prevent these things from spreading. We'll already have the bank. Um, and then we're going to talk about that the fact that you are theorizing today for existential problems that don't really exist in your current experience. You're, you're coming up with, you're maddening the world, and then through that you're living. It's like walking around and thinking there's a possibility that there's a threat on the street right now, and so I'm going to do certain things in my life in order to make sure that I'm protected from that threat out on the street. Now, I don't know if there's a threat out on the street, and it's not in my human experience. There's no emotional response going on. There's no fear. There's no fight or flight. It's just I'm theorizing. Now, if one has a fight or flight, like they're in a lab and they're like, we have to find, there's an actual virus coming out and we have to find preventable measures and so there, there's an emotional response. There's a world out there that's experiencing chaos and we could stop that. And we're a part of that world. But they're not experiencing that, that sense of humanness that goes along with their, with their study. And so they're, they're not really integrating it. They're, they're abstract thinking into, into, into the human condition. So really the solution is, is quite simple. It's not a solution in the different various existential threats or whatnot, but rather a return away from this extreme abstract thinking that doesn't connect to human experience. Now, one might ask, well, if we're going to remove all abstract thinking, so does so much of science and technology and progression. Well, not all of it. Not everything goes away. Only the extreme abstraction that just 
doesn't integrate well with selfhood. It's known that a programmer, let's say, the personality type of a programmer will be somebody who is less sociable because they're spending so much time um, isolated and one who's, let's say, not experiencing deep expression of life. We can't even um, imagine um, uh, a deep ex you know, artist and uh, somebody in the creative arts sitting down and programming for 12 hours. We couldn't even, f you know, fathom such an idea because right away, the, the first piece of code that they're ready to type, they're like, okay, what does this have to do with me? Where's my expression in this? They're constantly questioning where's the human experience to what I'm doing. Now, is, is that does that mean that we're, we should all be in the creative arts? I don't think so. I think there's a time for abstraction. I mean, you want to try to theorize beyond yourself so that you could experience it yourself. But we should constantly be, you know, mediating between am I experiencing myself while I'm doing this? And when, when will I return to my experience of self in regards to this? So that we finally get to that integration that we're seeking. Why is this really a solution? I'll tell you. Because such a way of life and thinking um, happens globally. Meaning if a movement starts to break out where people walk away from such abstractions, which is somewhat happening. We will be, we will not be able to go back to abstract thinking, meaning the one person that decides to stay in a world of deep abstraction will alienate themselves from the moving society who cherishes the human integration of what they're doing. And we see from ancient societies where that is how it worked, where the idea, there were some societies that did this extreme where the idea of abstraction was just despised. There wasn't even an availability to do it, not because it's not possible, just that nobody would have entertained such a notion of living. And it would have been so strange to, to pursue something that doesn't clearly doesn't have a clear definition to their human experience. And so I don't think that modernity was just this broken sense of abstract thinking. I don't think that's what happened. I think we progressed so much that we might have forgotten the importance of integrating selfhood into abstraction. Now, this might seem like the conclusion is more creative arts, less science. Well, the truth is that creative arts, and if you noticed paintings, the, the top paintings are the abstract art, and there's no coincidence. They're only an expression of what's happening in the sciences. They're only going to express, right? So you're going to bring an abstract art 
in the 21st century because you are expressing your abstraction, right? You're expressing outward what you're experiencing inward in an abstract sense. You're not expressing pictures and portraits or landscapes. It's, and so the answer is not for everybody to move to abstract art right now. The answer is to get to more expressive creativity that's integrated with the science. The wrong that I'm calling out in, let's say, the abstract um, thinkers of the generation that are causing a lot of this lack of integration, well, in the creative arts, it's the same way. We, we, we will find, um, let's say, fiction that will not in- embody the best of the human expression that they can give out to the world. And so it's almost like there's no possibility for Shakespeare to arrive because the creative arts is also taking some sort of hit. And so the solution is not necessarily to go into the creative arts because the problems are there too. It's just in the expression front. It's like the art is just what I think human expression is as opposed to what human expression is. Because that is the experience of abstract thinking to normal thinking. It's like, what do I think experience is versus what is actually experience? And so it's the same on the creative front. It's what do I think is creative as opposed to what, as opposed to my creation coming out of me, flowing nonstop. And so, yeah, really this is a talk about abstract thinking, but it borders on the, the broken arts coming out and I think there's a resurgence in both removing the abstract the extreme abstract thinking that doesn't integrate it's almost like there's a certain alienation that's going on of people that are, are, are exploring such theoretical fields when there's such practicality to deal with and then on the other front there's this resurgence of good creative arts that's true expression and not an example of what expression is supposed to be and whatnot. Thanks for listening.
Thanks for listening. And if you would like to see the video version of this, check out my channel on YouTube.